And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Here we go. It's time yet again for another episode of Weekend Watch. I am one of your hosts, Spencer, sitting here with both Keith. Oh, hey, that's me. And also David. Hi. David's back. He's back. After a long two-month absence, he is gracing us with his presence this evening, and we are so excited for it. He's back. David, uh, uh, have you heard about our, our brand new show called It's Called Soccer Here? Yes. I've listened to every episode. And really? Despite you guys being um, close friends, I have an enduring and deep disinterest in anything sportsly related. And that's fair. However, (laughs) plenty of other people love sports, including... I'm not going to listen to your show, Spencer. You don't have to listen to it. I want other people to listen to it. So if you're into that sort of thing, look it up. (laughs) Check it out. It's everywhere else. Everywhere you can find this show, you can also find our new show all about the Premier League. It's called Soccer Here. Uh, don't forget to check out our other other show, Green Mushroom Gaming, where we talk about video games and, and tech news and stuff. They're both great shows. Uh, but on this show, we talk about stuff to watch on your favorite streaming service this weekend. So let's get into it, guys. Let's do no it. Theme. No theme this week. We just got some some stuff to watch. Going in hot. Uh, David, since you're you're back, we're celebrating you being back. Why don't you kick it off? Okay. What should we watch? I'm going to talk about something horrible. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah, we, we do have a couple of, uh, I don't know, which one's, mine's worse. Mine's definitely yeah, worse. That's, that's yeah, that's way worse. <laughs> um, I watched Atomic Homefront. Uh, I, was, I was led to it through from another podcast, and I'll go ahead and maybe we'll circle around to it if it becomes relevant again. Um, Atomic Homefront is a documentary <clears throat> currently on... Uh, HBO Max. I think it's on a couple other platforms, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on YouTube as well. Uh, let's see if I can find a synopsis here. A dangerous landfill containing radioactive waste lies very close to a major metropolitan city. When an underground fire starts to escalate, it must be contained so the city is not at risk blowing up. Um, and it's not... That's stupid. It's not going to blow up, but it is going to give... Uh, give off a whole lot of particles and give everyone cancer. Um, and apparently this real, real landfill cancer like this. Yeah, isn't, this isn't good cancer. There's and no this good is, cancer. <laughs> so this this documentary came out in 2017 and it kind of followed the efforts of um, some some communities that uh, live around this landfill um, near St. Louis um, in their efforts to. uh I, sort of um estimate the extent of the radioactive contamination that they only discovered was there after they discovered that the other end of this landfill was on fire um, <laughs> yeah. so it, it, in case you don't know fire. yeah in case you don't know landfills can just catch on fucking fire there's there's underground there's, there's decomposition fire. going on there, and that creates a lot of heat, and it can create these uh, these things called SSEs, subterranean smoldering events. Um, and 
the residents around this landfill sort of notice. They're like, oh, my fucking house smells like burning goddamn garbage. Um, they come to find out the landfill's burning uh, underneath. Um, and when they were like, okay, let's fix this, the EPA stepped in and was like, yeah, there's, there's nuclear waste there from uh, the Manhattan Project. Um, because a, uh, a factory there in St. Louis, um, uh, sort of processed and manufactured the uranium and plutonium that we used in the bombs. And so, then just dumped the waste all over the city. So very they had no idea, like, they had no idea how dangerous this stuff is, obviously. <laughs> and they I mean, just they had a little bit of an idea, not to the extent that we do now, but I, I, I still find it fucking inexcusable. Um, and the, the, the rest of the documentary sort of, uh, shows, um, like I said, this, these groups efforts and, and them dealing with the EPA, that, that dude from the EPA, that was Jerry, Terry, Gary from parks and rec got a promotion. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. That, that was Uh, that guy. No, it definitely looked a lot like him and acted a lot like him. It was, Um, man, this was infuriating. Um, like you said, watching these groups try to hold somebody accountable, get somebody just of, pointing of to somebody else done, um, and try to prevent a looming disaster. And it was the the bureaucratic red tape behind it all was just too much. It was so, it's incredible how they've known about this since what 1995. This place got declared an EPA Superfund site. Jesus. And it's now 27 years later and mm-hmm. nothing has been done, really? It's, oh, well, we thought of this plan. So we're in, in with sometime within the next six years, we'll, we'll make an official proposal. Well, and, and then, I, and then I, eight years after that, we'll, we'll come up with an actual design. And then within 10 yeah. years, we'll build it and put it in place. And they're just like, no, there's, there's fire. There's fire. And if it touches this stuff, it's going to spread all the bad stuff in the air. Yeah. Like we don't have 30 years to just sit and let it happen. Like they, I, this reminds me of like the Vogons that, you know, like yeah. if you want something done, you need it stamped in triplicate <laughs> buried and your grandmother needs to dig it up after <laughs> a certain amount of time. I looked up articles after, um, about the state of this area now, um, and nothing's been done even now about this. Um, the EPA uh, will not buy these people out of their homes. They're they're all stuck with with worthless properties because now it's a super fun site and everyone knows it's it's contaminated with radiation. Um, it's it's really terrible stories. The 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 kid that was that they featured, um, Jonah. Yeah, the sixteen year old. Yeah. Glioblastoma. And, yeah, and the and the the other lady, the um, Stephanie, was that her name? Yeah, I think she was 44, but when she passed. Really terrible stories. Um and not the only ones. There were there were so many residents at these meetings with the EPAs just naming off family members that had died of rare and terrible and and viciously aggressive cancers. Yeah, this is aggressive, aggressive cancer caused by radioactive waste. This yeah. like this isn't the go to the doctor, go through your treatments, and you'll get another ten years of life. This is <laughs> you go to the doctor because you're coughing up blood, 
and you have a month to live. You know, and and that was actually uh, Stephanie's story. Is she she they detected this cancer early. She went through the chemo. She did everything that the doctors told her to. And, um, you know, towards the end of this documentary, we we checked back with her and they told her that she's now stage four, that she's in she's in management mode, no longer prevention mode. Ugh. And uh, and and at the end of the documentary, unfortunately, the news was that she had passed. Um, so with with she's just so young and and it's absolutely unacceptable that our government made this mess and just sits around with their thumbs in their asses and refuses to to do anything about it like what yeah. is like local local governments should be fighting i, I don't get it like i, I don't i don't nobody amazing. wants to take responsibility because then they got to pay for it yeah then then, and then it looks bad yeah. and it maybe you don't get reelected and so you say everything is safe even though there's fucking thorium contaminated water in people's basements. <laughs> yeah, we got. Well, I mean, it's it's a Flint, Michigan that's not talked about, obviously. Like, yeah, and I wanted to point that out. It's not it's not rural uh, Missouri. It's St. Louis suburbs, and one of these dump sites is at the fucking end of the St. Louis of the airport. There, Wait, what's the name of the airport? Any either of you guys know? I no, don't I don't. Anyway, their fucking airport. Like that's how close it is to not just people. the people in St. Louis, which is a big city, but also people flying through yeah. there on a daily fucking basis. It's atrocious. I, My I only complaint, and it's not even really a complaint with the movie, um, because there is no resolution. But the fact is, there is no resolution in the movie, and like. And I can't blame them because you've got at, by the point that they released this, they had what four and a half years of footage that they'd been following these groups yeah. around. You only and like I so said, it's still going we're another, like still... We're another five years out from when this movie came out. Yeah, and there's still no resolution. That sucks. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, this is a story they could work on for a decade and still have no resolution. They yeah. could they could drop another documentary now, American Homefront Two, and just tell the story of the last five years. Oh, and maybe they will. That wouldn't surprise me. Hopefully they do, because, I mean, this should not be dropped. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, check it out. It's Atomic Homefront. It's on HBO Max. Uh, let's move on to another really shitty story. <laughs> uh, my recommendation this week is Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, uh, currently streaming on Netflix. This is a Netflix original docu-series uh, about the infamous music festival woodstock 99 um i think we're all at this point fairly familiar with the story of what exactly happened when they tried to do a 30th anniversary woodstock and how everything fell the fuck apart uh, and this was a more in-depth look at the event and everything that surrounded it than we got last year with the shorter hbo version of the documentary um i don't know it's, it's a fascinating story uh how everything just completely got fucked by the end of it i never imagine being at that corn show man that corn show like that would have been (laughs) if everybody left after corn or after bush like it's like okay corn then bush now let's go home go home that would have been a fucking massive success but nope there were two more days (laughs) like two full days of chaos chaos um man this is 
yeah, like you said, we we know this story pretty well, but getting deep and and dirty with it, I never watched the HBO one. Accounts. So that, the HBO one was good. It was just short, but uh-huh. it, honestly, they're both worth watching. They both cover different aspects of it. Yeah, the HBO I, I want to watch it. Was, was more in depth about you know the people who died at this uh-huh. festival, right? Whereas the Netflix one didn't really touch on that much at all. Yeah. But, the inner uh, workings mostly of it. Yeah, Lauren was like, I want to know how many people died. So yeah, I'll I'll tell her let's watch that one now because I I I do want to watch that. I'm so curious why like, they didn't touch on I didn't, I'm curious why they didn't talk about the deaths when they I mean at one point they got pretty explicit with um rape like, trigger like warning. Sexual yeah. assaults and rapes, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it feels like an odd uh disclusion there. Yeah, I agree. Uh that part threw me a little bit. Um because yeah, people died, people were raped, sexual assaults were fairly common. Um, the conditions were horrid. I mean, they were charging eight bucks for a bottle of water in 1999. Make it up to twelve. Yeah, up to twelve yeah. by the end of the show. Started because at four. To save money, and outsource their their vendors to it's a company like, that had complete control over their prices. That's like going to a concert and having to pay like thirty five bucks for a bottle of water. Yeah, that's fucked. It's fucking um, insane. Toilets overflowing, garbage not being collected. I the mean, water the was there. literally contaminated. Like the free water that was coming out of pipes everywhere was literally contaminated with human feces. Yeah, there was poopy in that water. There's doo doo. People were showering in that shit, drinking that shit, playing wrestling in it. Mud. There's doo doo water. The mud wrestling. Those guys are stuck. Those guys are fucking disgusting. They're they're uh. in a bay. Of porta potties and going head first into this water mud that's like streaming downhill from these porta potties. Those dudes are fucking idiots. Like the people so that are like going to the water fountain, there. right? Exactly. Like if you're going to the water fountain and filling your water bottle and stuff, yeah, you should be really concerned to find out that there was poo in there. But if you're sliding through muddy water right next to 90 porta potties then you're a fucking moron <laughs> they weren't the brightest man <laughs> this is a this is such an insane story uh i like the structure of this one you have three episodes for three days um i really liked that you got a good breakdown this is another story of let's point the finger at at who's who who should take accountability for this a lot of the higher ups a lot of the the promoters and stuff still don't even think it was that bad they're still yeah, the whole like, time I, I, being interviewed say in if that guy blamed fred durst for what happened one more time right like holy shit i didn't realize how much of a jerk fred durst was it's like how dude, the fuck you do you brought, not realize how much of a jerk Biscuit, fred durst is yeah you brought Limp Biscuit to play your show in 1999, and you don't know how much of a jerk Fred Durst is. You're a fucking moron. Like, oh how do you get an act like that and be like, oh, no, it's all kumbaya. Like, we expected he's, him to go out there and do an acoustic set. His song is gonna, called Break Stuff. He's out there, he's going to do acoustic Bob Dylan covers. <laughs> no, it's fucking Limp Biscuit. Break your fucking face tonight. I mean, that this, yeah, this was the perfect storm of. We want to make as much money as possible and give you nothing for it. We we gave you a show. You're welcome. Now fuck off if you want to pee, poop, or drink or anything like that. We don't care about that. We gave you a concert and we're gonna party behind the scenes. Like all these people that were like, 
the the promoters they're like oh it was it was great it's like yeah you were under a vip tent while people were in the 100 degree weather on sure, it was great for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man it's it, it's just it, it's really interesting people really should check it out check both out like i said there's an hbo one as well part of their music box documentary series uh, i think that one's like an hour long maybe an hour and 15 uh, but the Netflix one is three episodes, about 50 minutes each. Yeah. That first episode, you're sitting there like, man, I wish I could have been at that show. Like, really, I would have like to be in that crowd yeah, for corn would have been absolutely insane. I was like almost in tears watching that show start on my TV. I can't imagine being in that crowd, feeling that energy like that. I, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That was fucking wild. Hell, even the Limp Biscuit show was fucking nuts. I I would have been terrified to be there, <laughs> but at the same time, that place was electric. It was really just the structure and 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 everything that brought it down. You can't blame any of these artists. You really can't. Fred Durst is an asshole, and he riled them up. But that's what Limp Biscuit does. That's what. That's Fred what Durst all metal does. bands do. You that's get what that metal out. Does. Like, like yeah. But Fred Durst specifically, that's what he fucking gets paid to do is be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, I cannot believe how they were just like, wow, that Fred Durst, he was the whole thing. Fucking, <laughs> well, like two days they, later, they were starting fires and shit, and he's still blaming Fred Durst. And then on Monday, the Monday after, they're up there like, it was the small group. It was the whole like insurrection <laughs> um argument it was a small group of of bad apples there was only a small group going around lighting 90 different fires blowing up semis ripping down tents breaking down walls like only 50 people did this out of 250,000 sure Uh uh-huh yeah everyone believes that (laughs) oh man fucking ridiculous well check it out it's it's really worth a watch uh it's train wreck woodstock 99 currently streaming on netflix all right keith bring it home what's your recommendation this week i'm bringing it home with a non-documentary this is a movie i've been really wanting to watch for a very long time and it is finally streaming on hbo max it is edgar wright's last night in soho man i really liked this movie there was some it's weird it's a weird movie i will give you that it's a psychological thriller um and it's it's really even hard to explain. It's about this this young fashion designer leaving her small town in England to go to the big city. She's going to hit London. She's going to be a big fashion designer after school. Um, but she's experiencing, even from the beginning of the movie, you're catching glimpses of some, some weird visions, some, I don't know, this like odd mental thing she's got going on. And her grandma is is alluding to, like things that she feels and sees and then we get to london we she gets into school and um not feeling her her peers checks herself she goes and rents this little apartment and this story just busts open wide with some weird wild shit with her kind of getting visions of the 60s and this this woman named sandy that wants to be a singer man i don't know it's it's really just a well shot very interesting thriller spooky it it gave me some good spooks in there there were a couple of scenes like when she was looking in the mirror she looks back at her room and then she looks back and it like completely changes like um 
they use her 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 visions and and stuff really well i don't know it's edgar wright the guy is a genius of cuts and and scene changes and it's um it's it's amazing in this whole film what did you guys think how did you feel about this i very much enjoyed this um i kind of started it out feeling that it was uh the premise was a little tired um and even kind of cliche i mean she even said at one point i wish i could just go back to the 60s and then poof there she was but it developed exceptionally well um and the twist in the end was satisfying um the the colors that he used were fantastic this was the music very yeah it 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 ended up being um very well thought out and and something that broke out of the cookie cutter beginnings i i felt like i did not care for this movie <laughs> no uh okay so i didn't hate it it wasn't the worst it looks great the cinematography is pretty fantastic the soundtrack is amazing uh the color palette blew me away that being said uh i feel like the writing was lazy uh i felt like it was entirely predictable entirely uh, enti- i called the twist the second the inciting incident happened okay and i'm not very good at that i'll be the first <laughs> to say i'm not usually good at that people are always I mean, like oh i called that from a mile away and i'm like what i was super surprised no, this one <laughs> this one caught i was like no this that's what this is and I was fucking right. I had and a I bit of a like, feeling, but there were there were multiple threads to pull on, and and he he led you in in a couple directions at a couple times. Like there was the is she just like fucking crazy like her mom uh, making this all up? Is the you know, there were a couple ways? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I think it was like, entirely evident the whole time. I felt like it, it was lazy and predictable, and I felt like the acting was mediocre. Um, this one was not, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong because, uh, it's got decent ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, certified fresh, 76% critics and 90% audience certified fresh. Uh, I don't know, but for me, it was just, I I did not, again, I didn't hate it. I do not hate it. It was a movie that exists and that's as good as I can, a rating I can give it. I do think looking through Edgar Wright's uh, filmography that this is his worst movie. You might be right at that, but that's, I don't know. He makes a phenomenal flick. So even that isn't that bad in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I really liked it. The predictability of it didn't bother me personally. I see what you're saying about some, some lazy writing and some acting, but there were some really good, there were some, I, I thought Matt Smith did, did really well. Um, Anya Taylor Joy, I I find just compelling to watch. Oh, I, I do too. I'll give you that. Like anything she's in, she is just the the scene that she's dancing and the way she's moving and doing all the '60s moves. I like I couldn't look away. It's incredible. Um, I thought the fashion in in this movie was great. Like you guys said, the color palette. Man, there's one scene that really stands out. The first night she gets in that bed and she throws the sheets over and he zooms out. Oh man, that was such a well shot. Like I oh, love right. the, way, the way I don't have shot. any issues with that. And frankly, the fact that that was so good bums me out about it even more. That the story <laughs> itself, I did not care for. I, I get like, that. The I, fact like, that the movie looks so gorgeous and and is shot so well, and that you the wanted to care about so it more. Killer. 
Yeah, I wanted to like it. Yeah. Because there are definitely moments of brilliance in this movie and and it's just does not tie together for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um I I implore you listeners to go check it out. Come join our Discord and give us your opinion on it. Who do you who do you agree with? Um or do you have a completely different take on it? Love to hear from you guys on any of these flicks that we picked. Absolutely. Uh so check it out. It's last night in Soho. It's currently streaming on HBO Max. And, and that, I'm looking at Edgar Wright's filmography now. and He makes some bangers, man. He does. But a lot of people hate it on Baby Driver, and I fucking love that movie. Oh, I, I love Baby Driver so much. That's such a... I, I love that flick. Um, a lot of people hated World's End, and I thought it was pretty damn good. It's not the best out of the trilogy, but it's great. Scott Pilgrim, you're right. This This might be his worst movie, but that's not saying it's a bad movie. I really liked it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to some news. Where should we start first, you guys? Let's talk about how Hulu is relaunching Hellraiser with a reboot. Been it's received an official rating, rated R for strong, bloody violence and graphic nudity. Did we talk about this last week? Better. I don't think so. We talked about this on because uh, we we recorded Tuesday, right? Yeah, we, we must have been talking about it a different time because I do remember talking to you about this. But yes, this is exciting news. This is great news. Yeah, those are the two things I want in a horror movie is bloody violence and graphic nudity. We're going to have a, a Lady Pinhead? Words. Yes, yeah. Lady Pinhead. Hell yeah. Um, And I think we we were talking about this in the in the Discord because I said my my fear is that they're going to, to over-sexualize the character. Now, don't get me wrong. I am very aware that Hellraiser is about is about sexy pain, but they can definitely overdo the fuck out of this and make it make it bad. Yeah, definitely, it's possible. Um, I'm still stoked. I'm gonna watch it. Oh yeah, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, pretty stoked for this. I don't know what else to say. Oh, did you guys see that they're also HBO is doing a Hellraiser TV series Ooh. separate from this? I kind of like that. I like the idea of that. Yeah, this is this is a franchise that had. I mean, it can carry in. Uh, it can carry itself in a series. You know, the best part is that Clive Barker is involved in both projects. Wow, that's awesome. That is actually really awesome. here for it. So that's pretty sweet. So th- this is going to be a reboot. I'm I'm reading on the on the Wikipedia right now. It's not going to be a, a sequel. It's going to serve as as a as a reset on the which on is the good universe. Considering they've had like seven Hellraiser movies and only three yeah. of them are worth any watching. Um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they take the the solid because the, they 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 built a lot of lore there. Um, some of it's bad. Some of it's better. Um, and hopefully they take that 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 the solid parts and and stick with it. Yeah, I, for I'm sure. very curious to see what they do with this. I, I'm here for it. Uh, did you guys see that they're re-releasing Avatar in theaters? The original, not the new one. And they dropped it from Disney Plus <laughs> sneakily. They were Hilarious. like, "Oh, we're gonna re-release this, and you can't stream it anymore. <laughs> you can't watch it anywhere else." <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I don't have much else to say about that except it's hilarious corporate <laughs> greed. Like, who is going to go? I'm not going to go fucking see the original Avatar in the theaters again. No, what do they think they're going to do? Oh, man. Are they going to try and give people 3D glasses in the theater again? Fuck off. Almost certainly. 
Oh, man. Well, let's talk about some other dumb shit. Uh, we're getting an Ocean's Eleven prequel movie starring Ryan. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. Like, this is unnecessary, guys. Let's drop the Oceans and just do something <laughs> else. Like, heist movies are easy. Like, you don't need to have Danny Ocean to have a fucking heist movie in Las Vegas. Make a new one. Make a new story. Fuck yeah. off. Here's the thing. Like, what kind of prequel could it possibly be? Is Ryan Gosling playing Danny Ocean? That's what I'm know. guessing. And Margot Robbie is is going to be, uh, what's her name? What's her uh, name? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. That's that's my only guess. If they're putting these names up there, saying it's a prequel, we've got to assume that they're the lead roles, right? So it's like going to be how they met, and it's a get like I don't know, I don't know how fuck the ages don't line up. No, it doesn't work. Like Ryan Gosling is forty one, George Clooney is sixty one. So except how, that George Clooney was forty one. When, he when made they made the, Ocean's Eleven. This makes no sense. Actually, he was younger than that. He was like 39 when they filmed it. So Ryan Gosling is doing a prequel while being older? No, it doesn't make sense. Don't do it. This is silly. This is dumb. We don't need to, another Ocean's movie. You made, you made a really bad Ocean's, a couple bad Ocean's movies already. You have a couple good ones. Let's, let's stay at an even draw, right? Let's just keep it at an even draw. Yeah. And if you really want, do more Oceans 8. I thought that one was fine. Like, you made a new thing. You don't need to do... I don't know. Uh, uh, this is more infuriating than it probably should be. Uh, <laughs> hey, speaking you want to get... Shit, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you want to get more mad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is getting a spinoff that, uh, 30, 35 years later. So did you read about this? Did you see, hear what the spinoff is going to be? No, what is it? So it's about the two guys that take the Ferrari out for a spin. <laughs> the fuck on. Really? They gave them names, Sam and Victor, uh, the two parking garage attendants who took the Ferrari out for a joyride are getting their own spin-off, and we're going to go around and, and see what kind of, of shit they got into in the Ferrari. Cool. What the fuck ever? <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> Uh, makes no sense. I don't get it. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, just make new stuff. Just make just, a new thing. Somebody, for the love things. of God, make a new thing. I know we just talked about how stoked we were for a Hellraiser reboot, but there's a time <laughs> and a place. Not everything has to be rebooted. Somebody should make something new. And somebody should say no to some of these ideas. Hey, guys, I've got this idea for a Ferris Bueller spinoff. No. Automatic N-O- no, don't even want to hear your pitch further than that. That's a no, dog. You it's don't say no, no when me. you're on that much coke. That's fair. Nothing you say no to. Let's talk about something that was new three years ago that's getting a sequel. What? Knives Out 2. Yeah, baby. Called Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Daniel Craig is returning as Benoit Blanc. We've got a star-studded cast. Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, multiple others. Um, <laughs> December 23rd, coming to Netflix. I'm pretty stoked for this. I loved the first Knives Out. Uh, that was a new property. I'm perfectly happy to take a sequel from something that it was new as of 2019. And that's really, they're really to cap, trying to capture the same essence with, that, with still doing a different mystery. This is, it's going to be Knives Out, but it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. Yes, and... this is the 21st century Agatha Christie. 
Yeah. I I'm I'm so pumped. Especially like the cast of this is so nuts and hearing that Ed Norton's going to be on in on it. Oh man, sign me the fuck up. 100%. Uh speaking of things, uh apparently Dan Harmon has confirmed that he's working on a community movie. He has a story what? outline, they're negotiating with the actor. What what was the saying throughout the show? Five seasons in a movie? Six seasons in six, a movie. Six seasons in a movie. <laughs> they got their six seasons. They got They're the six ready. seasons. Here we go. It's movie time, baby. Uh, it's been too long. I don't. I don't know. It seems like is it's Gambino been... coming back. Is Don Glover going to be in this? That's the thing. They're still in negotiations with everybody. Why did he announce it then? He shouldn't have fucking done that. He did. Yeah. That's why he he did it so that he could get everyone's fan bases encouraging them to sign on the negotiations. That's exactly it. Almost certainly. I'm sure they could get most of these guys together. Um, Don Don Glover would be the one that if if he's not going to come back, then I don't I don't know, man. Season yeah. six sucked without him. Yeah. Didn't he leave at the end of season five or four? Was it four or five? Yeah. After uh, after he was gone, it it really it it took a bit of a turn. Yeah. The to say camaraderie. It, but the Jeez. yeah. Yeah, like as much of an asshole as he is in real life, his character was—I felt like a pretty big linchpin of that show. He was—he was really good, and he—he like, he was just playing himself. He was a giant, rich piece of fuck asshole. They—they they brought in Keith David to replace him, and I—I'm a pretty big Keith David fan, so I didn't hate it. Um, but you're not wrong. There was as as Donald Glover and Chevy Chase left, the, it, the show just lost those contributing parts to it you know they the the show was all of these actors and the way that they interacted and it just kind of wasn't quite the same after those two i love abed as a character he's great as a singular character but the relationship between abed and um forgetting the actual character's name now fuck um troy troy and abed in the morning there you go their relationship was such like a, a catch. And even like the cast was saying it, like when they were filming those like outros, the little bits that they would like end with the credits, it was always something from Don Glover just going off on a fucking ad lib. And he was hilarious. He was genius. The, the guy nailed it every time. And that was sorely missed in the later season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So who knows how this will turn out? Like I said, it's definitely not even a sure thing at the moment, um, but we'll see what happens. All right. Last thing I got, we finally have uh, a poster and a release date for Cobra Kai season five coming to Netflix September 9th. All right. This is good news. It is very good news uh, because the last four seasons I've streamed the all of the episodes the day it came out. And it leaves me really uh, sitting here jonesing for more for ten to ten to fourteen months. They they pump these out pretty quick though. Like all things considered, you don't gotta wait long for a new season of Cobra Kai. Yeah, the last one was in January, right? Right. Like two they, seasons in a year—that's unheard of. Yeah, they do. They do a pretty good job of of keeping it running. So that's pretty sweet. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and that's it. I don't have any other news. You got any other news? That's all I got. Right on. Well, that's an episode. Let's wrap it, can it, publish it. So, yeah, yeah don't forget to check us out uh, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Discord, uh, our website, greenmushroommedia.com. 
and our Patreon. Find a link to that on our website. Click it. Become a patron. We uh, will be very, very appreciative. And with that, I think we're done. Good night, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.